You know, there's one surefire way to discover potential innovations in all of your processes. It's guaranteed. Want to know what it is? Stay tuned and find out. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Innovation Driven Growth Podcast. Here we examine what enables true creativity, how to convert ideas into innovation, and seek out what ignites enterprise-wide growth. I'm your host, entrepreneur, strategist, and muser of metacognition, David Peterson. So one of the things that I struggle with is even in the, all of my own efforts with my organization is, is why is it so difficult to get everyone behind this idea of enterprise-wide innovation? I mean, why wouldn't every employee be like nuts, crazy excited about coming up with creative ideas for improving their work environment? Well, okay, here's a couple of reasons why innovation might elude many organizations. Here's one. We just get too busy. We have our established processes and procedures, and we're just focused on that, laser focused on that. And we're not really taking the time to look for efficiencies, innovation. Another is um, that thinking is not valued, that the, the organization itself doesn't actually value thinking. So somebody who's sitting at their desk kind of thinking looks like they're taking a nap. <laughs> What's that guy doing? Well, maybe he was really thinking. Of course, no good deed goes unpunished, <laughs> and that's because uh, most people are resistance to change. So the resistance to change is a huge factor in uh, keeping us from innovating. And innovation, in many cases, just seems like it's too big of an effort. Like we're, it, we're they're they're envisioning this huge thing that I've got to think of and and, and create. Uh, so it just seems insurmountable to to tackle. So I could really, you know fill up an entire podcast with each and every one of those five things, reasons, excuses, uh, on why innovation doesn't ignite in an organization. But I, I would like to focus this podcast just on that last one, the perceived size of innovation and doing innovation itself. So we often let artificial constructs about what is involved in innovating limit our creativity in solving problems. We often feel that the issues we face are so large, we don't even try to come up with potential solutions. Now, certainly there are a lot of areas in every organization that's ripe for innovation. But if we take a look at those issues in banking, for example, how are we gonna get younger millennials and Gen Zs to think that a financial institution is relevant or which faster payment solution to enable or how to systemically you know, implement uh, diversity, equity, inclusion program. These and many other issues can really seem to be insurmountable that an individual employee at a particular business, whether it's a bank or whatever your particular field is, to tackle. They, they just see, it just seems too big for, for them to, to dive into. And that then grinds that individual into inertia from a creativity standpoint. It's too big an effort. Therefore, I'll just take a pass. Now, at my organization, First National Bankers Bank, we're embarking on this innovation journey. We're embracing change and enabling limitless creativity. So how are we going to do that? Even though 
we're not a commercial bank, we're still a bank. And we have the same procedures and process orientation in our daily workplace, just like any other bank. Extremely structured. So we have big challenges and we're just as susceptible to this numbing effect of routine as any of our customers. But we need big ideas, big innovations. We're gonna need those things. But to get us on the path to that kind of breakthrough innovation, we're gonna have to think small. Small meaning tackling smaller innovation in smaller bites, perhaps working on projects that are small enough to be thought through and executed in days or weeks versus months or years. Now, the best way to get innovation started in a small way is simply to focus on process improvement. Now, for FNBB, that means we'll initially focus on our internal processes, departmental procedures, uh, interdepartmental collaboration, and so on. So how would an employee come up with an idea for that kind of process improvement? One, they might observe any multi-step procedures where any one or more steps could be eliminated. They could look at a breakdown of information between departments, something that should happen or transfer from department A to department B is getting missed or dropped. How could we fix that? Another would be, where is there a time sink? Perhaps where one or more employees are idle waiting for the outcome of another department or a process. And also what processes are identified where automation would eliminate a manual step or steps. Now, by no means is that an exhaustive list, but it just gives you the idea of how to get people thinking about process improvement. And again, I work for a bank and I'm focused on improving innovation at our bank. But those four things I just mentioned would apply to any business. Uh, uh, really, there's I can't think of a single vertical where those four things wouldn't also apply. So we need to be careful not to ignore ideas that are too small right? As the innovation process requires time and repetition to become something endemic to our culture. Small innovations lead to small wins. We're going to celebrate those wins and then innovate some more. And then maybe the size of the ideas grow. People's comfort level with the innovation process will grow along with it. And it's almost certain that there will be adjustments to the process as we see it play out in real time with real ideas. This is all a normal part of any new initiative. The maturity of the process then aligns with the comfort level of the employees who are using it. Creative ideas and the subsequent innovations that flow from them will naturally occur with greater frequency. Just think about it. If you're doing anything, the more reps you get, the more comfortable you get with it, and the better you get at it. And it's no different than what it would be coming up with creative ideas and turning those into innovations. Now, let's circle back to the title of this article, which was, Why Do We Need Step 4? I use this example frequently when I'm speaking or teaching about innovation. So let's say in your business, there's a seven-step process to achieve some particular task or outcome. Somebody is explaining that process to another employee perhaps a brand new hire, or maybe somebody who has recently transferred to that department. After the seven individual steps has been explained, the person learning the new process says something like this, why do we need step four? What, what's step four? I don't, I don't understand step four. 
Now, in my experience, there's really only two ways for the person doing the training to respond to that. Why do we need step four question? Response A is Jones, step four comes after step three, and it's executed before step five. This is how we do things here. You get with a program, follow our procedures, or you, know, you get the idea. Kind of like, mm, you're not to question, this is, this is what we do. But response B might be, hey, uh, John, thank you for that insightful question. I appreciate that you would look at everything we do here and ask exactly those same kinds of questions anytime it doesn't make sense to you. Now, let's take a close look at step four and see. So you go in and now maybe maybe there's a real good reason, right, for step, you know, for step four or whatever. But if you or your managers are responding you know, to, to questions in uh, in one of those two ways, you need to be really honest and say, well, I'm probably more likely to answer something that's like that first response. Then just understand that you are limiting one of the very best ways to root out inefficiency in your organization. When somebody new looks at a process or procedure, they benefit from not having any experience with that process. And so they're looking at it literally with a clean slate. They don't know your forest. They don't know what your trees look like. And so this, this newbie, this new person, you know, says, uh, what, what, what do we, and then they're bold enough to, and you encourage them hopefully to say, why do we need step four? And so that is the entree now for you to take a deep dive into step four. Maybe, just maybe, step four is something that you're required to do by some regulatory agencies, such as the kinds of things we have to deal with in banking. Or maybe it's just an important step that moves data to some other system and there's some other completely different group that's not part of your group that wouldn't get information necessary for their jobs if you didn't do step four. And that's why you do it. But when you take the time to explain why you do what you do, and you're doing that to somebody who's brand new. You're not only validating they're asking the questions, but you're encouraging them to always be inquisitive. And you should value that. You should never do anything that would limit somebody from asking a question such as, why do we do step four? Now, let's take, the, uh, let's take another scenario. They ask why you do step four. And as you're looking at it, you realize that, well, wait a minute, maybe there is no regulatory uh, reason we needed that. Um, this data isn't going anywhere else. What <laughs> in your mind you're going like, well, what, what, what do we? Why do we need step four? Right? Maybe you figure out that okay, you know what? We implemented step four eight years ago, twelve years ago, and there was a really specific purpose at that time. But hey, no longer needed. Then move to eliminate that unneeded step and give super big kudos to the employee who raised the question about it. Now. Think about this. If that step took just a couple of minutes to execute, and there are, you know, many people, four, five, six, eight, ten people in your organization that do that step, then over a year's time, there will be literally uh, perhaps multiple hundreds of hours saved just by eliminating a step that's no longer necessary. And when you save time, time can be reallocated, can be refocused on additional idea creation or enhancing the customer experience. Here is the key takeaway. How can you evaluate your processes and identify unneeded steps? If you or other people who are grounded and work every day for years in this area are too familiar with your own forest, how can you get a fresh look at your processes and procedures? Who are you going to bring in to 
fresh eyes look at your trees. Here's a couple of ideas. Number one, as I've already mentioned, pay very, very close attention to any kinds of questions that are asked by new hires. Listen to any inquiries and focus on anything that they indicate doesn't make sense or why, or I don't get it. Don't blow them off. Give them the courtesy of an explanation and where appropriate, reward them for helping you identify an area that needs innovation. Here's another one. Bring in a, quote, ringer, end quote. Uh, can't wait until you have an opening in your department to get fresh ideas on organizational processes? Fine. Then bring in somebody who can mirror staffers as they go through their procedures. Again, this would be somebody that doesn't have any kind of real knowledge about what actually is going on. And this could be somebody from another area of the organization, or you might even engage a consultant, you know, that specializes in examining processes to help you identify inefficiencies. So is it a given that your experienced staff couldn't identify inefficiencies in their own processes? Of course not. The question is, is whether they're empowered, encouraged, or perhaps even incentivized to seek out and eliminate wasted time and unneeded steps. Any improvements you make as you innovate small will make a difference in your gross margin. It absolutely drops to the bottom line. But more importantly, you're grooming everyone. You're showing everyone that you want them to be looking for innovations, that you're encouraging, thinking, and looking for creative ideas. And as bigger and more impactful innovations emerge, then the impact to gross margin will really start to be noticeable. And it's all because you decided to pay close attention to that pesky step four. Thanks again for investing your valuable time listening to the Innovation Driven Growth podcast. I covet your questions, comments, or critique. You can reach me at david at davidpeterson.com. I'm also on Facebook at DP Speaks and everywhere else on social media at DLP Speaks. I look forward to hearing from you and be sure to look for a new episode soon.